Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Dan McNerney. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and 22 through 26, found in the Old Testament section of our Pew Bibles, beginning on page 786. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lamentations 3, verse 1. I am the one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone he turns his hand again and again all day long. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm grateful to be here this morning had this opportunity to share with you my thoughts on this passage of Scripture. But I'm also grateful to be here to give Ray rest from the pulpit. He deserves it. He's a hard-working dude. And so is his wife, Judith, the beautiful couple that they are and the dynamic ministry they have here at the church. This church, this congregation under the leadership of Carol Weinberg, has done so much to support me and my family in our mission with Frontier Fellowship, advancing the gospel to those who are least reached in the world. You have been particularly helpful to me in expanding the good news and grace of our Lord among Arabic and Persian-speaking people in the Middle East, for which I thank you. Our topic today is Prayer in the Minor Key. We're in a series about prayer in general, being face-to-face with God, intimate with God, not afraid with God. Last week, Ray spoke about the essential importance of incorporating prayer into our daily lives. He reminded us that we are essentially, we are essentially spiritual beings, made a little lower than angels, as Psalm 8 reminds us, made in the image of God. We are built to pray. Not praying is a very dangerous way to go through life. It deprives our souls from getting the very food it needs. Who are we to sort through the many unseen and seen things, variables in our lives without the help of God? Who are we to say that we know what tomorrow will bring? 
Ray opened up the series on prayer by first talking about us in Christ, being not afraid to be face-to-face with God, intimate, with the broken curtain of the Holy of Holies. And as close as friends are, Jesus called us his friends. When we are filled with God's love and assurance, and often, we often feel a joy that is comforting, overwhelming, we happily sing in a major key with sweet sound. God fills us with joy often. But our topic today is, what do we do when the winds start blowing in the other direction? When our world becomes frustrating, dark, and God seems to have gone the other way. Where did he go? A dryness, a pain, a confusion often enters into our lives during these times. We get stuck, leaving us very little energy to continue our prayers. But do we stop praying? The Bible clearly tells us not to do that. We must keep praying. But how? Despite the confusion, the sad and melancholy tone of praying in the minor key, we are to learn somehow to do so. With an equal faith as when we are filled with joy. For instructions on how to do this, Ray has chosen the third chapter of Lamentations. The whole book of Lamentations talks about the time in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, leaving the city on the hill to jackals and ghosts, completely wiping it out, scooping up the Israelites and taking them into exile into what we now call Baghdad, Iraq, into Babylon. And it reminds us how many people have been scooped up and are now displaced in the world today, refugees, far from their home because of war, because of circumstances beyond their control. The Israelites were in Babylon, confused, dry, far from God. They needed a word from God. They needed a prophet someone to speak on behalf of God to them, explaining what was going on. Jeremiah was elected to be that prophet. His whole book of Jeremiah was warning the people of Judah that they were going to be ransacked. They were going to be exiled if they continued in their ways, but they continued in their ways of idolatry. So the book of Lamentations is all about, well... You stuck in your ways, and look where you are now, exiled. Far from your home, far from your culture. By this time, the Israelites' hearts had wandered so far from God, they were even before their exile wallowing in evil, and Jeremiah told them so. Sometimes, the hardest thing for anyone to admit is that they themselves are the cause of the darkness and pain in their lives. They themselves brought on the exile. 
it is so easy to blame others or circumstances for why we're in exile. But the book of Lamentations is all about owning your part in being in darkness. God cannot dwell with us in the same intimate way when we are headlong into our self-centered, selfish, harmful ways. He can't go there. He pleads with us not to go there. God is a just God. He must punish us for transgressing His laws of love. In the same way a child is punished by a loving parent, you can't not do it. God allows our sinful choices to eventually ensnare ourselves. He gives us that free will and brings us to a place where we can finally, hopefully, be humbled enough, tired enough, beaten up enough to say, I've had enough. I'm ready to, to learn, turn, and seek your forgiveness. And the book of Lamentations reminds us, if we do it, we will be forgiven and restored and redeemed. This is why Jesus said it is better to mourn, be meek, than to laugh and be merry. We're closer to God in our afflictions. In our sober reflections, we're closer to God than our constant merriment. This is why the great Christian apologist and author C.S. Lewis once wrote, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is, it is His megaphone to arouse a deaf world. So often, we keep going until the pain finally gets us to submit. Sometimes our refusal to obey our distance from truth, our resistance to change can cause great sorrow, calamity, and desolation in our lives. However, when we confess our sins, God is abundant in His love, mercy, and forgiveness to correct our wrongdoings. What we have here in Lamentations chapter 3 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every single morning. He waits for us to come to Him. It's our choice every morning whether to grab on to His fresh forgiveness. God takes no delight in punishing us or exercising His wrath on us. God is love. He desires compassion and practices it and He wants our redemption. But we creatures must take the bull by the horns. Blame no one else but ourselves for our darkness and seek His mercy. God delights in giving new life to those who take full responsibility for their actions and start again in His grace. I want this morning to take a little pause to highlight how much respect I have for any one of you who are in a 12-step program. You are doing 
what Jeremiah recommends in spades. Surrendering your will to a higher power. Admitting that you're powerless to change without Him. Oh, what a word for the church. Putting your feet on completely higher ground. As we all know, this pandemic has become rough on all of us, causing tremendous stress and personal trials. Mental illness is on a frightening increase, especially among our young people. Counselors are overworked. Hatred and violence is abounding. Unfortunately, in an alarming rate, addiction has increased, with over 100,000 people losing their lives last year to overdoses. I ask you to pray for our brothers and sisters in recovery who are out there in the trenches trying to help people from some coming to be in captivity to an addiction that can take their life. I ask you to pray for counselors who are working triple time, people like Judith Hilton, to save and to help people who are in darkness, asking them to turn and get help from the Lord. These are trying times. Another way we might feel distant from God in our prayers is when we're being disciplined by Him. We can't read the book of Lamentations without embracing this truth about God. Discipline is different from punishment. What discipline works on is what we call God's chisel. Chiseling us to have greater character, more like His Son. Discipline comes from the same Greek word that disciples comes from. Discipulos, meaning to learn. We have too often made discipline a bad word, or run from it, or suffering a bad word and run from it. This is the place where we can hear closest from God. Discipline is a good thing because we put ourselves in a place to hear God, to learn something new instead of be headlong into our own view. Praying during these kinds of periods when we're being asked to be less self-centered, when we're being asked to be more humble, when we're being asked to be more uh, loving, God puts us through these circumstances so that we can learn. He's disciplining us how to follow Him, how to worship Him, how to be humble, how to listen, not talk, how to receive, not give. I have to share from my own life and confess to you that one of the greatest struggles I had in ministry prior to 2010 was finding enough time, disciplining myself to be alone with God. I wanted to every morning but maybe for five to ten minutes I would close my eyes, think of a scripture, but run out the door. Sharon and I raising our five children, I going to another country in the world. Ministry is exhilarating and fun. But cancer 
stop me. In fact, I was running to the airport the next day until Sharon said, go to the doctor. You're not right. And what, what does the doctor say? The doctors say, we'll do the chemicals, the oncology. You have control over three things. I'll never forget this line. Reducing stress in your life, exercising regularly, and having a better diet. I'm working on all three. But the stress part really spoke to me, unbelievably. What stress do we put on ourselves when we're not taking enough time for prayer? We are running our bodies into the ground. We are running our psyches into the ground. And I can say to you that things really did change. And about every single morning in the last 12 years, I've given God a good hour of my time. And it's changed a lot of my life. My immunity system can't take endless stress. And I can't take not giving God enough time either. He leads me. He leads you. He leads all of us. To the degree we give Him time, to the degree we pray, is the degree we get health back. It's our choice. God is constantly trying to break down our will. We're rebellious souls. We're wild mustangs. We have a lot of confidence in what we think is going to happen today. And that's why He says, I want you to take up your cross daily because I am going to wear you down until your will becomes my will and my will becomes your will. Until we get this together, you're going to run yourself ragged. And we live in a fallen world. So much of our pain and suffering can be the result of another person hurting us and can even escalate into war. We may have a DNA that we don't like or we may be a victim of a natural disaster. For instance, this pandemic. What is God saying to us in this pandemic? Are we domesticating wild animals and treating our environment in ways that is, are harmful and we shouldn't be? Do we have idols now of money and power and the internet and information that we shouldn't have? God has allowed two years. We've been in this two years. What's he trying to say to us? How do we respond when the environment shouts back at us? We can often feel that God has abandoned us. But we must pray through it in order to find God's strength and presence to endure it. God transforms us into His character to the extent that we're teachable and that we keep praying. If we freak out and think God's left us, we will miss all of this. Through prayer, we can learn to have better boundaries with certain people. We can learn the value of peacemaking and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we can become better stewards of our gifts and skills if we keep praying. And remember the word discipline. 
We all need to, in our own ways, figure out our prayer of discipline, our discipline of prayer. Do you take time to pray? What is your discipline of prayer? Is it enough? Is your soul satisfied with the amount of time that you're spending with the Lord? Even when things are going sideways and frustrating. It's kind of easy to give joyful praise to the Lord when things are going okay. But what about this hard stuff? Lastly, we must grab on to this beautiful theme in the third chapter of Lamentations. God's steadfast, faithful love for us. He has chosen you and me to be on a mission with Him. He has offered His covenant to us to protect, empower, and to help us and to forgive us. His faithfulness never changes or is unreliable. He is not fickle or capricious. His mercies are new every morning. It is only we who back away. It is only we who distrust. He doesn't change His love. One iota. It's we who walk away. Ignore Him and His love. When we are feeling distant from God, we must cry out to Him and say, I don't want this. I don't want to be alone. I want you. Do you know that, and I'm sure most people do by now, loneliness has become the number one contributor to death in America. More so than any other malady that we're struggling against. That was before the pandemic. The pandemic has put fire into it. There are more lonely people that need God, need you and me, need community than we can ever imagine. Underlying mental and emotional struggles have been surfaced, not just physical ones. Pastors are becoming burned out. Some churches are closing. Every pastor I know is worried, who's going to come back? Have we lost people to the abyss? Have we lost people to the exile? Will they ever come back to church? And what is our role in reaching out and helping them? Those struggling with the disease of loneliness. Now more than ever, we have to remind ourselves how much God loves us and how much we can share that good news with other people. He does not want us to be alone at all. And one last word here about being patient. God loves those who patiently wait for Him. Most of us like to have immediate answers to our prayers. Where did God go? I told Him on Monday what I wanted, and it's already Saturday. And there's no answer. We need to learn to be patient, humble, and trusting, even when we think God's not listening. I can think of no better example and certainly no, no, nothing more germane to my own life and calling than we're all waiting for the return of Christ. The whole world is waiting for Him to come back. 
to oversee his new heaven and earth. We could easily start complaining and grumbling after 2,000 years, wondering if he will ever return, or whether it was a lie in the first place, or maybe it's a myth. But God assures us we will see him again. Not to lose faith. Not to doubt. Every single one of us in this sanctuary this morning will see him face to face. And so what are we to do as we wait? We are to be transformed. We are to be transformed more into his likeness. We are to call a spade a spade when we do something wrong. But he asks us to be hopeful, vigilant, and active in sharing his good news around the world. While we wait, waiting doesn't mean inaction. Waiting means vigilance, hope. We need to be sharing the good news to the ends of the earth, feeding the hungry, helping the poor, and disadvantage. I have friends who are in jail in Iran in the underground church waiting for release. They may never be released, but they're never going to lose their hope in the Lord that He will at some point bring them home. The Lord will return again and take every single one of us by His hand to His eternal home. In the Christian life, in conclusion, nothing more important is there than prayer. Regular and constant prayer keeps our spirits alive each day regardless of our circumstances. We are spiritual beings. We need prayer as much as our bodies need air to breathe. Each one of us in our own way must figure out how to receive God's grace and love each day in prayer. May the Lord be with you after this long, hard winter. After the long, hard two years of this pandemic. And all of us have been injured in some way by it. Lent is coming soon. So is spring and the celebration of our risen Lord at Easter. May we never lose hope in the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name I preach and pray. Amen. <laughs>